feel like we're simpatico. You know what I mean? <laughs> My dad used to say copacetic. Copacetic. That's a good one, too. Copacetic simpatico. If you put them together, it's like, oh my God. Copa Simpatico. <laughs> That's together, all right. <laughs> we just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations. We try to know what we're talking about, but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees. <laughs> it's mainly for entertainment. Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. And welcome to Freudian Sips. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. And we are so happy to be back with you again. Very happy, very happy. <laughs> happy, happy. <laughs> I was doing uh, a happy dance, but it doesn't Anna's come across through the microphone. The happy dance, and I'm sitting on a creaky bench today. Yeah, she's, mom's going to try very hard not to move. Be very still. That's not easy for and me. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did. I, oh. It's <laughs> It's that if, feeling like you can't, it's like when you go on a diet and you know you can't eat and then you want to eat everything. It'll help like if that. every time you move you go, <laughs> at the same time like you just did. That'll help. That'll be good. Yeah, the people will really, sipsters, get ready. It's going to be a bumpy ride. It's going to be a creaky, creaky episode. What number are we on anyway? Kajillion? 22. 22. Double deuces, I That's think. That's like one of my lucky numbers. Is it? 22. 22? Yeah. That's a strange lucky number. It's Why? My birthday is 22. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're just sharing all and your personal also, information when with I was the... 22 was a very good year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was one of my the top good old five. days. Top five. Top five. <laughs> 22 through 27. <laughs> No, 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 because you and your brother were born later than that, so... Yeah, we're number six and seven. (laughs) (laughs) That is so not true. And we have a very interesting... Oh, do we have any, like... I don't have any pre-roll today, I'm sorry. Pre-roll, okay. I couldn't remember what that was called. I was thinking... I don't think that's actually what it's it's called. It's not foreplay. Well, (laughs) yes, it is now. That is what it is. Whatever that's called. The announcements before the actual thing. I don't have any foreplay today. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, sorry for bringing up for play. <laughs> sorry about that. We're both kind of excited about this one, and we yet are. we're a little anxious at the there, same time. Yeah, there's it's a it's a double edged sword today. First of all, this episode was suggested by a friend of the show, Bruce. Bruce, here it comes baby Bruce. Hello, buddy. <laughs> we are finally getting to mirror neurons. I've been putting it off for a long time. <laughs> we put it off, Bruce, because it is we, a huge. We're like topic. we're going to do the series that never ends before we do mirror neurons because. <laughs> we're just not sure and we're still not sure <laughs> we but neither are. is anybody else so it's well, cool that's the disclaimer that we yeah. have to give is that this is all nonsense <laughs> and we're nonsense for talking about it mm-hmm. but we feel safe to do that because the science behind it is also nonsense and the scientists are like this is nonsense so no one knows about what we're going to talk about so we're going to talk about it while we still can I would add to it, it's not only like, this is all nonsense, but then the other side of the coin is like, this is such serious right. stuff. Right. This is a big discovery. Like, wow. 
Yes. But the bottom line here is that we are not neuroscientists. We are... <gasps> We're not. I, I'm not. You're not. I'm not. You don't know that for sure, though, do you? Mom is. I'm not. And <laughs> Maybe I was before you were born and I changed. Oh, I mean, you've had 18,000 careers, so possibly. <laughs> but oh, we are... my evil We're not neuroscientists. <laughs> we're clinical counselors with access to Google and Wikipedia. That's what we are. And books. And books. I prefer books, actually. I didn't read a book for this. Books. Did you read a book? One. Yes. <laughs> Mom, what? write a book for this. <laughs> Not a whole book. You're welcome. A chapter. Sisters. <laughs> okay. I didn't get carried away. All I right. didn't read like a whole book. <laughs> I didn't read a whole book. Who would do that? <laughs> So, we are talking, if we have not explicitly we stated that, I don't think so. We are talking today about mirror neurons. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, what's a neuron? <laughs> Anna, first of all, what's a neuron? Thank you. Thank you, Mom, for asking. Sorry. No one else was going to ask. <laughs> okay, a neuron is, I love this, an electrically excitable cell. And there are about 100 billion neurons in your brain. Oh, there's crazy amounts of neurons. So... Nerve cells are not just in our brain. They're kind of all over and they carry messages from other parts of our body to our brain and from, you know, different parts of our brain to other parts of our brain. They're cells that form our nervous system. That's that's a term that we've all heard. What, what was the number you said? A hundred billion. Oh, I have 86 billion. In your brain? Yeah. That's because you drink too much. <laughs> Yikes! I learned it from watching you. <laughs> Oh, you're so not funny. Oh. We, we start laugh. out with a hundred She laughs million. and then calls me not funny. <laughs> it's our relationship. And you're... Can I throw this in? Yeah. That your brain weighs three pounds. A wrinkly sack of meat that weighs three pounds. Uh, I know. <laughs> I... <laughs> I told you before that I that the scientist was talking about a brain, and it made me think of you, Anna, because Thank of that you. that gross reference. I am a brain. You are inside a, a skeleton, inside a skin sack. <laughs> about the wrinkly meat sack, or whatever you call it, because <laughs> he said a three pound sack of meat is the way he is what he called it, and I was like, wow, he must have gone to the same school. He just Anna left out did. the wrinkles. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's the wrinkles to be are important. The wrinkles are we, where we store things. <laughs> So neurons, there are three basic types of neurons. There's sensory neurons, and that's mm-hmm. where we get information from outside, basically. So, I mean, when you see something, your sensory neurons are sending it to your brain. When we touch something, our sensory neurons sending it to the brain. There's also motor neurons, and that's the... <laughs> having a slight seizure across the table. <laughs> I'm, I'm demonstrating motor. demonstrating motor neurons. So motor neurons control how we move our body and how our brain sends impulses to the rest of our body about how to move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's something called interneurons, which connect each other. But we're not talking about any of those other gross neurons. Get out of here, gross neurons. We're, ta- we're talking about mirror neurons. Mirror neurons, specifically, were discovered in the 80s and 90s, I guess. Yeah, I got 90s. (laughs) Sort of both. Mm -hmm. By five neurophysiologists with incredibly Italian names that I'm not going to try to pronounce. That's why everybody in all of the things you read say Italian scientists. Just Italian. Yeah, there's some Italian dudes. If they sound Italian, that's them. That's one of them. You did it. That's one of them. But they were studying macaque monkeys' frontal lobes. They were looking at neurons that controlled hand and mouth actions. So actually, the discovery of mirror neurons was kind of accidental. 
what they found were neurons that respond when the monkey observed someone else picking up food, but also the same neurons that fired when the monkey themselves picked up food as well. Mm -hmm. So basically, like, the same neurons fired when the monkey did something and when they saw someone else do the same thing. And about 10% of neurons in the monkey, monkey brains. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like a delightful dish. The monkey brains. <laughs> we're shown to have mirror properties. But also, we're not just talking about monkeys today. No, no. We're talking about humans. Wait, can I just throw in this thing about the discrepancy in monkey stories? Because it kind of bothers <laughs> yeah. me. Mom is very upset about the monkeys gone. I am very upset about the monkey story because yeah. in three different sources, I read the monkey story differently. One source said that the original experiment was the monkeys have the electrodes in their brain because they actually put them in their brain, which is kind of inhumane. But Wait, wait. Is this a Pavlov situation? It kind of is. I don't like it. Because they put the electrodes into the monkey brains. However, they're still sitting there and they're okay. They're like they're having fine. snacks. They're like, this is Tuesday yeah, they, for they us. Don't care. Whatever. I mean, it's sad, but anyway. <laughs> one of the stories said that there was a monkey that was watching another monkey eat a banana. And that's when they measured it. Like it was on purpose that they were watching, you know, like one was having a banana, the other one wasn't. Which it kind of goes against the accidental thing. Yes, I and, have a problem with that because they weren't studying right. that. Okay, so that's the first example. Okay. The second one I read Vetoing was that one. Sure. Okay, that they were studying this monkey's brain while he was trying to open a nut, like trying to measure how his motor neurons were firing during opening a nut. When he was doing it. Right. He's sitting there trying to open this nut and sure. one of those Italian dudes came in. <laughs> and Mozzarella picked, came in. <laughs> mozzarella came in, picked up his own <laughs> peanut, whatever kind of nut it was, macadamia, I don't know what kind. And Mozzarella he, <laughs> picked up a macadamia. And he was hungry and he opened the nut, which kind of pissed off the monkey. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There was a monkey and they were studying it and a researcher got hungry? Yeah, he came, came in. in. He was like, yo, you got any food? Like, oh, you got nuts. Like, you got some extra walnuts in there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop in for a second and then came in. Right. That's the second story. That's dumb. I'm vetoing and that. Because the electrodes were firing. The monkey was like looking at him doing it going, whoa. Jeal those were the jealousy neurons of <laughs> I want to be able to do that. I'm so hungry. And the third is my favorite. Okay. And I believe this one is right. Okay. Is that I've already they, vetoed the other one. They were one, doing so. tests on this monkey, as we just already spoke sure. about other things for the motor neurons. And then they were kind of like in this resting stage where they all went out to lunch, right? They went to lunch, monkeys still sitting there waiting for the, them to get back. The researchers did or the monkeys? <laughs> the research. The Stay with me, Anna. The monkeys went to Applebee's. <laughs> no, the researchers did. Okay. And that, but one of them went didn't. To, went to Fazoli's? Yes. Or, yeah, somewhere <laughs> like that. That Some was actually Italian. probably one of the researchers. <laughs> Pozzoli and mozzarella. Pozzoli and mozzarella and, and their three pals. One researcher was still there with his lunch because he had like packed his lunch oh, sure. or whatever. And he came into the lab to basically sit in there and have lunch with the monkey, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> Just like, dude, you're the only was, one that gets me. He was sitting there eating his lunch and all of a sudden he realized the monkey was having brain activity as if he were eating as well. Okay. Which is the most believable of the three stories. If we're going along with the accidental, right. that goes with it. Right. This goes along with what we started the podcast with, which is there's a lot of information so, out there that's there's not a lot, even... And there's, yeah. there's a lot of scientists in the world and they all disagree. <laughs> Specifically people about get very this thing. emotional about this. Yeah, okay. yeah. People have a lot of strong opinions about this. I just had a lot. You of emotion have a very about the strong opinion story. about monkeys eating lunch. 
Okay, so go back to what you were talking about there, Anna. What was I talking about? So we started the mirror neurons <laughs> with the monkeys, but then people have them too. Yes, and further study with specifically, because once we kind of figured it out by accident, we studied them more specifically. And further study showed that in both humans and monkeys, the mirror system also responded to things like sounds, mouth actions, facial gestures. So a lot of things kind of make the mirror system activate. Like I read one thing about how the mirror system activated in a monkey that heard a piece of paper tearing Mm -hmm. and how their neurons fired the same way as if they were tearing a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. So they weren't even seeing someone do it. They were just hearing the sound, knowing what it sounded like and associating it with an action. That's amazing. It's pretty cool. Big if true Mm -hmm. is is the, the bottom line of this podcast is big if true. So basically mirror neurons happen in three areas of the brain. There's one area that gathers visual information. There's one that recognizes and processes the motor components of what you're watching happen. And there's one that processes the goal of the action. This is important because Mm -hmm. a lot of things that I read about mirror neurons said that the mirror neurons only fire if we can put an intent to the action. Right. If we can say they are doing this action for a certain purpose then the mirror neurons in our brains fire as if we were doing the same thing for the same purpose. So that's a big component of this whole thing, basically. That's a very good way to say it. Thank you. Good Thank job. You. I try. <laughs> I actually understood that when you said that, and I, I agree. Thanks. That's what I read. Thanks. Good job. Thanks. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> So this relates also to a different pattern of neural firing is seen when you see someone like grasp a cup to drink from it versus when you see them grasping it to take it off the table. So it depends on what the intent of the action is. It depends on if the action has an intent or if it's just sort of fidgety. That That is all, I don't know whether to call it like hypothesized reasons for mirror neurons. I don't know how solid it is in the research basically, mm-hmm. which is again kind of an overarching thing when we're talking about mirror neurons is that there's a lot of research for and against all of the things that we're going to talk about. Right. If mirror neurons exist in the way that I just described, it could be related to infancy process of imitation. Mm -hmm. How when babies see us doing something, they kind of naturally do it. And there have been a lot of studies, but the bottom line is there needs to be a lot more. Of course, when we study whether it's babies or adults, humans, we don't stick electrodes in their brain, thank God. In. Um, yes. You stick them on. But on yeah. The skull. Have, did you see those pictures of the little babies with all the little electrodes no. on their head? <laughs> oh, they're so cute. <laughs> but they were doing the thing with the tongue. Sticking the tongue, you know, like oh, the, yeah. the investigator was sticking his tongue out and the baby would stick his tongue out. And they were measuring with all those, like a little cap with a whole bunch of electrodes. Did the mirror neurons fire? Yes. That's when they fired. Yes. That's when they saw. When they imitated. That's, that's like- interesting because that doesn't seem like it has an intent. Does it have an intent? I don't know. That's a really good point. Like maybe with that's a very with little tiny babies. Yeah. Well, it's just a fun thing, I guess. I mean, maybe (laughs) you have maybe you have to do it a few times. I mean, it's maybe not the very first time you do it to them. Maybe it's like a game to them. Well, and maybe communication is the intent. Mm-hmm. Or Maybe. like, I want you to imitate this mm-hmm. is the intent. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't. That's one of my problems with this. I don't know how far it extends. So monkeys versus humans. Let's go to that. So in monkeys, baby monkeys especially practice imitation just like human babies do. They don't learn by imitation when they're adults, though. So there's this kind of question as why do adult 
monkeys have the mirror neuron system if they don't use it to learn anything. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of one of the questions that researchers have. It's theorized that it allows monkeys to recognize and understand other monkeys' action intentions. So, I mean, if a monkey picks up some poop and you throw it at the other. I, don't, I was going to say a shank. Yours makes more sense. Because <laughs> monkeys we'll, throw poop at we'll each other. We'll go with poop. And like kind of rears back to yeah. throw it. Yeah. Then the, the other monkey knows yes. he's going to throw his poop at Knows me. how to, knows to yeah. duck. I don't know. <laughs> Bob and weave. I don't know. In humans, it's really hard to study these because it's not usually possible to study single neurons. This is where it gets tricky. So most of our evidence here is kind of indirect. I mean, that's how we discovered it in the first place. But a lot of even when we try to study it directly, turns out to be sort of tangential. So basically through fMRI, do you know what MRI stands for? Uh, Imaging. Uh, Good job. Very good. Work backwards. (laughs) MRI. I used to know. I used to know. We talked about it before. We did talk about it. Mm, I don't remember. FMRI means functional magnetic resonance imaging. Ah, yeah, magnetic you almost resonance. got it. Imaging, no, I you got it. I got one letter out of four. Hey. That's not almost. That's not even close. It's not that's even a passing grade, but you know, it's very good. <laughs> it's more than zero, and that's oh, what I'm counts. I'm so depressed now. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let me study and ask but, me again tomorrow. Okay. So through fMRI, we see the areas of the brain light up both when we do a thing and when we see a person do a thing. Parts of the brain, I'm going to go into some brain talk now. Inferior frontal cortex lights up and the superior parietal lobe lights up. The frontal cortex includes things like motor control, but it also includes things like Broca's area that includes language processing. The parietal lobe has things like body orientation and movement, and those things all match up to basically what mirror neurons do. Processing motor control and studying motor control if we're examining things that are happening in the mirror system. So the ones found in monkeys and the ones found in humans have been found in different areas of the brains, but that has to do with the studies are kind of (laughs) like, oops, and we also found mirror neurons here. It's very hard, like I said, to study directly mirror neurons. So a theory here is that probably humans and monkeys have mirror neurons in the same places and that they have about the same amount of mirror neurons, but it's very hard to kind of equate that in human and monkey brains. Mm -hmm. And also a theory that the mirror neurons aren't only relegated to those areas, but that the mirror system might be able to, this is interesting, recruit other areas of the brain depending on what it's processing. So if it's processing something like communication, it might be able to recruit that Broca's area and say, hey, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. What are they trying to tell me? So it may be able to say like, okay, they're doing this thing, but I'm going to recruit this other area of the brain that knows more about this thing to be able to assess the intent better. Mm-hmm. Like three times in my notes, I put freaking amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, true. Our brains are freaking amazing. Yes, it is. It is very interesting what our, our brains are able to do. This, oh, this is where it gets muddy. Oh, this depends on what the mirror system is trying to accomplish. And here's where I want to move into possible functions of the mirror system, of which there are so many. There are so many things that people are like, okay. Maybe it does this. Exactly. If the mirror system exists, because there are still some people that say, no, it's not a thing. But if the mirror system exists, then here's why it exists. So even if we all agreed that it did exist, 
people don't agree on why. Why, yeah. Did you? I, I honestly can't believe anybody says it doesn't exist at all. Oh, there are There's, definitely people. I know, I know. I listened to some of them. There's... <laughs> <laughs> when I was doing research, there's there's always some people, people that are, are like, like no, uh, well, actually, that's not really what it does. That's not really, it's not really a thing. That's exactly how they talk. Excuse me, I don't believe the weirder actually a thing. I was kind of judgy. That was a little well, judgy. They have a stuffy nose. I don't. They're know. allergic to something. What are they allergic to? The true science. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Do you have any of the possible functions that you want to talk about, or do you want me to talk about them and you'll pipe in? Let's do it that way. Okay. Mom warmed me beforehand. That I have I would several be things, but I just this. don't know where to stick them in. All right. The first one I have I is like to be just organized. basic understanding intentions. So the type of action determines the neuron activity. So this is basically like if I see you pick up an apple to put it beside you on the table. Versus when I see you pick up an apple to take a bite of it, my mirror neurons are going to fire differently. Mm -hmm. So the parietal lobe neurons code the same act in a different way based on the final goal of the action that the act is trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. But again, there are times, like you said, like sticking the tongue out where it's like, what is that trying to accomplish and how would the mirror neurons know to fire? One of the things that you said earlier, and I don't know if this is the right place to put this in, though, is that idea that I want to kind of go back to for a minute that investigators are very specific that this is experience dependent. You know, like, yes, one of my favorite things about that was this study that I saw that had people look at pictures. There were pictures of a ballerina, like doing a turn. So like four or five pictures of a ballerina performing a turn. And then there were four or five pictures of a martial artist doing a turn that was very similar. Huh. But then the study was having like people who had ballet experience and people who had martial arts experience. Very cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And so the people who had ballet experience lit up much more when they saw the ballet pictures. Like it was significant They difference. could understand it. Right. So it was the experience. The mirror neurons kicked in like a much higher gear when they saw what they already knew. And this kind of goes to what you're talking about now. That right. if you know what the outcome is or you know what the experience is. And that was one of the, again, I may be kind of jumping ahead, but one of the questions I saw was, okay, is it a cause or an effect of how we like learn things and experience things? Mm-hmm. Why can't it be both? Exactly. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Because we if we... just tell them what it is. is it, d- everyone should, should listen, listen to us. <laughs> listen to Freudian sips. Can I... You will know. <laughs> You'll know about mirror neurons. Can I brag on you for a second? On me? Yeah. That you would recognize the martial arts pictures better because you are a third degree black belt. And I'm definitely not a ballet dancer. You are not a ballet dancer, <laughs> but you could kick the other mom's butt. Sometimes I say to my friends, like, my mom could kick your mom's butt. <laughs> Oh, banana, you're so cute. So if you're listening to this and you've been adopted by my mom, know that your mom, no, your I podcast could. mom, could kick your real mom's butt. But I wouldn't because I like respect I your real because mom. they're very nice ladies. Yeah, exactly. I love all moms. All moms, <laughs> all are, moms good. are great. But to go along with the kind of understanding intentions point is facilitating learning. So this has to do with if we know what is going to happen in an action, we're able to kind of replicate the action. And Mm -hmm. this 
again, goes back to cause and effect, but it helps us reproduce the actions that we see going on. So if we see someone pick up a bottle to drink it, we are more likely to be able to replicate that action to achieve the same result for ourselves. Mm -hmm. The next one is very interesting, language production. Again, I, I've kind of made this disclaimer before that at some point I will have my husband on who studied linguistics. and At we some will, point we're going to force Nathan At some point to we're going to peer pressure him into coming on doing an episode. <laughs> but he has a lot of linguistics background. But I think language is fascinating. And when it comes to mirror neurons, like I said, there are some in the frontal cortex near the Broca's area. And the Broca's area has to do with language production and language processing. So there's a theory that human language evolved from a gesture and performance-based system. That mm -hmm. the, the roots of our language are based on the nonverbals that we give each other. And we've had a whole episode on nonverbals. Yeah, yeah. So we know how important that is to our language. And this may link to kids learning how to vocally mirror non-words. So like when you kind of make a noise and a baby makes the noise with it, that is kind of based in this area. Hmm. And then they acquire the ability to produce language later. And the speech repetition occurs separate in the brain to speech perception. And again, I go back to the fMRI studies that there was one where while playing charades, which a lot of studies said was a precursor to language, like just kind of a charades system, like trying mm -hmm. to communicate with others before we had a spoken language, mm -hmm. that the fMRI showed that the mirror neuron system reflected the pattern of the motor system of the sender. So while we're watching someone do a charades action, our mirror neurons are firing and we're saying, oh, they're... You know what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I can't think of a single charades example. <laughs> The example that I found was sitting at a movie theater. That's a terrible charades <laughs> prompt. Don't ever put that in your charades game. Sitting at a movie theater. Mowing the lawn? Okay. Okay. Washing the dishes? Washing the dishes? There's so many basic <laughs> daily tasks that I could have gone and I said sitting in a movie theater. That's a terrible, <laughs> terrible prompt. Shall we take a quick break? Quick break. Okay. Okay. We'll be right back. Hey, Sipsters. Are you enjoying Freudian Sips? <gasps> Mom, did you hear that? They said they are. <laughs> you are? That's great. Well, I have great news. Now you can get paid to listen to us. I know that sounds insane, but it's true. Oh, Anna, we don't say that word. Oh, in insane? But it's... It's in the copy. It's <laughs> Anyway, you're right. There's an app called Podcoin that pays you to listen to us and other podcasts too. It's on iPhone and Android and it's super free and simple to use too. With this app, you listen to podcasts and earn pod coins, as the name would suggest. Then you can turn these pod coins into gift cards to places like Amazon or Starbucks. Or if you want to feel good deep down in your soul, you can donate those coins to charity too. Okay, so here's how you get in on this sweet, sweet deal. Go download the Podcoin app on iPhone or Android, and if you use the code FREUDIAN, you even get 300 extra Podcoins just for oh. signing up. It's so great. Then you just start listening to podcasts, and if you listen to enough Freudian sips, <laughs> you get a Starbucks coffee on us. You're welcome. <laughs> this is going to change the way you listen to podcasts. It did for us. Welcome back. I got that creak 
straight Did up. Did you get it? Good. It's very good. I was trying to orchestrate it. Gross. So it would start. It's a bad noise. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. Did you get up and get a drink? I did. Did you? No, because all your drinks are laid out on the I table. I have in front them of you. lined up right here. <laughs> I am now on my third. Third. So we are talking about mirror neurons. We Anna. are indeed. We are talking about the possible reasons that we may have mirror neurons if indeed we have them. Dunna. I I believe we have them. <laughs> I do too. Oh, okay. I, I think it's it's silly to think we don't. Not only do I believe we have them, but I believe that they're very important oh. in a lot of ways. Do you want to so. talk about that now, or do you want to wait? No, I oh, want to wait. Okay. Because I want that to be she the cherry like to on the top. The cherry on the top of this podcast. That's right. So the next point I have in one of the many reasons we may have them is human self-awareness. In just that, a, a researcher named... Ramachandran. I don't know Good his job. first name. Ramachandran? Yes, he says that it's the neurological basis to human self-awareness. And basically the way that we examine our own earlier brain processes and the way we thought about things. Ramachandran is huge in this. I think he specializes in mirror neurons. Yes, it's a big thing. Yeah, he has a lot of ideas on why we have mirror neurons, what they're for, just how they work. So mm-hmm. I think he is a really big name. And his name popped up a lot in the mm-hmm. research that I did. I watched a video uh, where he was speaking to a conference. Oh, where he was talking? He was talking. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and he was, one of the things that he said was that one of his theories has to do with evolution, Mm -hmm. and he believes that, like, we were going along at a certain pace, evolving, and then suddenly the mirror neurons developed, and bam! We 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 shot We expanded, like, as he said, horizontally. (laughs) Whatever. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) That communication, like, (laughs) Right. Expanded exponentially. Is that a word? Exponentially. Exponentially? Exponentially. (laughs) Okay. Yes. (laughs) Well, that kind of ties into the next thing that I want to talk about, which is empathy. I think if we do have mirror neurons, and I think we do, that empathy is one of the main reasons for it, is that the mirror neurons exist to help us understand what people are doing and why they're doing it. That's my cherry on the top. That's Oh, that's your cherry. Do you want yeah. to not talk no, about it? No, that's okay. Okay. Because I think we would agree on that. Because I think I think several researchers, that's, the, again, a thing that popped up a lot in my research on mm-hmm. mirror neurons is people theorizing that it's because of our empathy and because of our kind of social bent that we have mirror neurons or that we developed mirror neurons. Mm-hmm. So... MRIs and EGs both show that certain brain regions light up when we experience an emotion, but also when we see someone else experience it. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that ties in with mirror neurons. That ties in with our brain saying, oh, you're also doing or experiencing the thing that you're seeing someone else experience or do. Mm-hmm. Because it helps us kind of get in their mindset, put ourselves in their shoes. Can I add something about that man? Please do. Say his name again. Ramachandran. Thank you. One of the things that he said was that in one of their studies, they showed that <laughs> like if, if I were sitting across, I'm sitting across the table from Anna mm-hmm. and if Anna would reach up and start to kind of scratch on her arm a little bit and I would be watching her scratch her arm, even though I'm not scratching my arm, my mirror neurons would tell me that I could feel that nails on my forearm that she's Mm. scratching but he says that 
our brains have an automatic feedback system that tells our brain, no, that's not really my arm, that's Anna's arm. Right. And so there's there's kind of a block that says like, oh, this isn't us, Right, that's you, that's not me. His theory says if we didn't have that feedback loop, if we didn't have that block, so to speak, we would feel like every single thing, not only like emotionally, if we see somebody sad. This is where it starts to go a little wacky. This is where he starts to go a little out there. He goes kind of into that Eastern religion idea of like everybody. Every interconnectivity. All being connected, right. Um, This is one of those times when we need visuals because we're both doing the things with our We're waving at each other. (laughs) But yeah, so he kind of takes it a little... A uh, really big step in that that kind of woo <laughs> place, <Woo. laughs> which it's all good. He can the believe woo that woo neurons, stuff. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, if you pull back from the woo a little bit, you get to the empathy thing. She makes that noise really well. I've been doing it all my life. This <laughs> practice makes perfect. My life is woo. <laughs> Every time it's the same noise. <laughs> It's amazing. Consistency is it's important. It's incredible. My mom's incredible. <laughs> oh, you're, you're easily impressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So that, again, ties in with empathy on how we connect with others. But mm-hmm. there's a difference between mirror neurons for hand actions. Like, like I said, like picking a bottle up to drink it and picking it up to set it aside mm-hmm. versus the empathy ones. And the empathy ones have not been described in monkeys is what I read. Again, mm-hmm. not sure how, how true that is. How, and how, how would they measure that? Because yeah. it's not like we could say to the monkey, do you feel that guy's pain? Right. It's, you know, it's I don't know if it has of... to do with, because I mentioned like facial expressions and sounds. I don't know if it has to go back to that versus like actions and like just reading something on someone's face and that like up in your brain I don't know how they measure it because quite frankly when I'm reading this I don't understand a lot of the words that are, <laughs> that are being said so I have to skim and I have to try to connect with words that I know and it's very difficult to get the whole gist of it because I just I just don't know and so, that's scary because if you don't know you know I'm way back there going no, okay, no, no, I'll no. be there in a minute <laughs> I just don't get, like, there were just words. I challenge you to go to the Mirror Neuron Wikipedia page and try to understand, like, a whole paragraph at a time. It's very difficult. For me, it's very difficult. Maybe for you it's easier. I don't know. But for me, it's very difficult. But recent research has shown that people who self-report as more empathetic or empathic, are this the same word? Uh Okay. I'm going to say empathetic because that resonates with me stronger. Mm-hmm. Have stronger activations in their mirror system for hand actions and emotions. So people, again, okay, so this goes back to when I say self-report, it just means that someone says, hey, are you empathetic? And you have to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10. Right. So there can be a lot of bias in self-report scales. Oh, yeah. So we do have to take that into account. But in general, in this particular study, in people that self-report as higher empathy, they are shown to have higher mirror neuron activity. Mm -hmm. There are also some researchers that say that the mirror system doesn't respond passively, but is influenced by the mindset of the observer. And this goes back to the theory of the mind that we talked about in some episode Mm -hmm. that I don't know which one. Was that one of the Eric... Erickson? Because we had 42 Maybe. of those. We had, yeah, we had a lot of, 
If it was That's the probably theory, in the Eric's if it was the theory of the mind, if it was the first one, then it was seventeen. So if you start with seventeen and go forward, you'll find it. Just listen to all the episodes if you haven't done that yet. Go forward, you'll hear theory of the mindset at some point. But that, but that is kind of based in that theory of the mind that we talked about. Mm-hmm. The next kind of reason that we might have this system is automatic imitation. This is also one of my favorite ones. Mm-hmm. So this is when a person observes a body movement of someone and unintentionally performs a similar body movement. Contagious yawning. That's a big thing that I'm going to talk about in a second. Mom just made a big yawning noise that, or yawning motion. That's why I I said that. It's my favorite. I wasn't just saying that. I'm, it's not like a voice in my head just said contagious yawning. And I was like, oh, yeah, contagious yawning. No, mom. I was, I was, I was responding to feedback. Yawning. Yes. But... This is what, so like if I were talking to mom and mom like crossed her arms like she was really upset, really tightly, then I would probably do sort of the same thing. I might cross my arms at the same time. We're just more likely to mirror that from someone else. There was also a study where they basically told people to try to have like really good posture and then their uh, posture control got worse when they listened to sentences about different actions like, oh, I got up and I put on my slippers and I went to the bathroom. So like we sort of, the, the people who listened to that sort of automatically put their posture a bit down. They sort of slouched their posture a bit. So we respond to the feedback that we're getting what other people are doing. Not that we're doing that, but mm. that someone else is doing that. That we sort of automatically respond to that. Hmm. And again, contagious yawning. I specifically looked up contagious yawning because when I read about mirror neurons, I was like, I wonder if this has to do with when we see someone yawn and when we yawn. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a study linking higher contagious yawning to higher empathy. So Emory University had a study about chimps that yawned when a familiar chimp yawned. So basically, like, (laughs) they would see a chimp that they didn't know very well. (laughs) I don't care about you yawning. I don't know you, chimp. And they and this unfamiliar chimp would yawn and they and they wouldn't yawn. But the ones that they knew kind of well and they yawned, uh-huh. the chimp would yawn. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. This is interesting because I've seen like there's a Mythbusters episode about busting the contagious yawning myth and about how basically they had like it was the some of the people that were in there and they <laughs> I don't know. They have names. Now the characters. But, but the yeah. characters. But they were standing outside like trailers and they had people come up for different, like they said they were involved in a study it's of some sort. The researcher yawned. And then they, I call them the researcher. This is Mythbusters. It's a show on Discovery <laughs> Channel. I'm they calling them researchers too. They kind of are. They yeah, really did. Absolutely. Sort of, yeah. So they would yawn. And then they had, like, hidden cameras in the trailer to see if the person yawned as well. But very rarely did they. Mm. Basically, it wasn't a significant amount of people that yawned. But they didn't know them. So I wonder if it would have been different Mm. if they knew the people and they yawned. That kind of connects to another thing that I read that said that some of this is tied to culture. Yeah. And, like, people of the same culture respond okay. better to people of like culture. I totally believe that because mm-hmm. that's the, like, sameness thing that we have yeah, right. where we connect to people that we view as same. And, right. and, the, and that kind of the other thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Talking about the contagious thing, I watched, like, more than once. I watched this video um, that I found. <laughs> she watched it eight about, times. I did. <laughs> no, not that many times. But it was about contagious Four. laughter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was these people on a, like a subway, and it is is 
freaking hilarious. And the first time I watched it, I mean, I was laughing if like you, I follow right away. a subreddit. I don't know if you, know, if you are on Reddit, but I follow a subreddit called Contagious Laughter. And it's just videos of people laughing. And I swear to God, every single time I watch them, I burst out laughing. Oh, I know. It's so funny. Isn't that weird? It's so, it's great. I, whenever I need to pick me up. If, you, see, if you're feeling sad, go to the subreddit Contagious Laughter and just <laughs> watch them because you will feel happy. I was on a retreat once where they talked about relieving stress and how important laughter is. Yeah. And they had us do this exercise where we, it sounds very hippie, but we like laid on the floor, but we like our head touched <laughs> someone else's <laughs> head. It sounds really or weird. Or someone else's no, feet. I we can't tell like which is weirder. <laughs> no, it's oh. like almost their belly. What? what? That's we were, worse. That's the worst it one. <laughs> it wasn't like we were on Push, each other. Put but the top, like, put the crown of your head against someone's crotch. <laughs> no, Go ahead. No, their side, like where their belly is. <laughs> oh, okay. And then like the one on the the person at the end would start to laugh. Was like, this like ha, a chain ha, ha, situation ha, ha. where like the... Yeah. And each person was connected. I mean, not connected, connected. but you know, touching with the top of their head. <laughs> and they started laughing. And when you first laid down, you were like, this is so stupid. And you were thinking, I'm never going to laugh. Well, because you're and getting then all feedback on the top of your head, which right. is very sensitive. Whatever. It was weird, but we all were <laughs> laughing our asses off. So. <laughs> But this, well, sub- because at some point you just embrace the ridiculousness <laughs> of it. Maybe You're like, this it. is stupid. And we were also tired because we had that too. Yeah. Tomorrow. But this thing from the subway was these people like on one end of the subway car, and they they were laughing. I mean, hysterically <laughs> laughing, and it was so funny because somebody was like videoing it. You know, the people on the other end of the subway car were kind of looking at them like real judgy, and yeah. And pretty soon, like everybody. <laughs> And the whole subway car was it's laughing. It's just like getting kind of church giggles, you know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't even know why. No, but you just you're start laughing. laughing. Yeah. Mere neurons. Mere neurons. They are real. Allegedly. <laughs> Aliens and mere neurons. <laughs> Alleged, all allegedly real. Bigfoot, also in this mm-hmm. category. Mm-hmm. So the next reason we might have these is something called motor mimicry. So this is specifically in social contexts. It's behavior that's appropriate to what's up with someone else. So basically, like, you're doing behavior that might be appropriate to the person that you're talking to. So if you're talking to me, we've talked about this before, you and I. I'm looking very confused. Yes. If you said, oh, man, I just got a paper cut. And I, like, winced (gasps) Uh... like you just did. Yes, exactly. That is called motor mimicry. It is literally physically responding to something that has not happened to you, but has happened to someone else that you're talking to. So you are responding. And again, I put this in the in the empathy category. Because if someone says to me, man, I got this, I got a terrible paper cut. And I'm like, ow. Like, I'm responding empathetically to them. Mm. So specifically when we're talking about mirror neurons, this is usually more intentional than what I just talked about, which is automatic imitation. Mm. So like, it's kind of a socially learned process where we learn to go, ow. Yeah. Yeah. So. um, That makes sense. By the way, that is probably really good for Mike. (laughs) It's really good Mike noise. I bet you, though, for the people who are listening who are very empathetic, they understand that sound. They totally get what that means. Yeah. I'm I'm just contractually obligated to say at least once an episode, that's a good mic noise. I know, that's <laughs> in your contract. It's in my contract. You wrote the contract. It's I did. Fine. I gave birth to you and I wrote your okay. contract. <laughs> you had two jobs in this world. Give birth to me, write the contract. So, 
Again, this is still kind of linked to empathy and it's linked to pro-social behavior. It is linked to the mirror neuron system. And like I said, it's it's more conscious than the automatic thing that I talked about, but it still might be reflexive. And it functions as communication. I mean, when we're talking to someone and they say something about, uh, I keep using the paper cut example, I'm sorry. But if I say, oh man, I got a bad paper cut and someone that I'm talking to says, ow, oh man, mm-hmm. that is communication. That is them saying to me, I totally get it. I totally get that that sucks. I'm so sorry. I mean, you get a lot of messages from that. But that is also experience dependent. That's true. If you've never had a paper cut. How have you never had a paper cut? Well, I'm just saying, if you lived in a bubble and never had a paper <laughs> if you, cut, if you by the a, same token. If you're a bubble boy. Like if you've had a heartbreak, if you've had a breakup oh, with a yeah. boyfriend or girlfriend, yeah. significant other person, and then you talk to somebody who has, you or have you, that. You were the other day, so you love to mow your lawn. That's one of your like That's zen thing. things. Yes. You That's love doing therapy. that. And you were telling me the other day about how you like hit a stump. And oh, I was yeah. like, ow. But I was <laughs> I was very much doing it in like a kind of obligatory emotional empathy yeah. sense. You've never hit a stump. I've never stump. hit a stump yes. with you've never, never let me mow. You can't mow my yard. <laughs> can't no. mow. So you've never let me do that. So Sorry. again, there is some of that that's kind of learned, but there's some of that that's like, okay, well, because of the way you said that to me, I can, I get how emotionally impactful that must have been for you. So that's a I good can example. respond in a way that I know is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Good example, Anna. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> You're so smart. I feel like half of this podcast is just you saying like, good job and me going, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> It's okay. I, mean, I appreciate it. I'm not going to turn it down. Uh, the next one, again, is one I think is really interesting. How many of these are there? There's Holy two more. Crap. Okay. <laughs> There's two more. So, <laughs> example 562. Basically, 62 and then we have 63. Just bear with me. <laughs> so we have sleep paralysis. <laughs> what? Bear with me. <laughs> This episode's going to be called Bear With Me. (laughs) So the mirror neuron system may be at play in... um, No, listen. I'm trying. Okay. (laughs) Two and a half beer body doesn't listen very well (laughs) to to two and a half old-fashioned Anna. But I say good job. Good job. So, okay. I don't know how much you know. I don't know how much we talked about sleep paralysis. I don't think very much. I don't think so. We had... A dream episode. We talked about dreams, but, but I don't we talked think we very talked. briefly about like sleep things. Yeah, like sleepwalking and stuff. Right. So there are some very important things in sleep paralysis that happen. One of them is the intruder hallucination, and one of them is the out of body experience. Those are things that happen when we experience sleep paralysis. And the mirror neuron system may be active in those times. Hmm. So <laughs> there's a term deafferentiation. I think I said it right. Yes. <laughs> Deferentiation. Basically what that means is that sleep paralysis causes our sensory information, so our sensory neurons, to kind of get cut off from our brain. And that means that our mirror neuron system goes kind of haywire. And that can cause us to see things that aren't there. Mm. So it can cause the things like the intruder hallucination. Because our mirror neurons are saying that, oh, maybe I see someone doing something. And then we, like, our sensory neurons respond saying, okay, there's a person there doing something. So it could cause Mm. the intruder hallucination. The intruder hallucination basically means that 
when you're experiencing sleep paralysis, so the the really scary, like, when you wake up and you feel like you're awake but you can't move and there's, like, a figure at the end of your bed. I don't know. I, I don't have the data offhand to say how common that is. I think it's fairly common, actually. But the theory here, based on mirror neurons, is that your mirror neurons are firing saying, I see someone doing something. And so you're making a person there doing something. Mm. Again, no idea how actually common that is or if that's the actual cause of it. But that is one possible cause of mirror neurons or possible thing that mirror neurons do for us. One of the 562. One of the 562. So number 563 (laughs) is, this is the last one. Autism and schizophrenia. And these are kind of smushed together because, oh, mom's waving a paper wildly in the air. I was waiting for this. This is good. Good stuff. This is the good stuff, right? So some research suggests that those on the autism spectrum have mirror neuron systems that are functional but less sensitive. And that's why it's hard for them to kind of empathize with people and 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 read what other people are doing that actually makes really good sense to me it it makes sense but recent research says that that is not entirely true i know i know darn it like recent research says that people on the autism spectrum have good understanding of action goals and that their mirror system is fine so i don't know i don't the the bottom line of this is i don't know Mm mm-hmm and the bottom line of this is that science doesn't know yet and that we kind of have to do more research to figure out if this is true. Kind of along those same lines, I read a study about, well, actually they termed it psychopaths, which we don't really use that term anymore. Whoa, that's like a three-decade like, thing. But it's like 2017. Huh. So I don't know why they use that word, but we use I, antisocial I would say antisocial, yes. Right. Or, I mean, you and I have talked about this, that we see the term sociopath. Right. As well. Right. I don't usually see Psychopath. That's like a movie <laughs> that's, name. That's like, pretty. Like some kind of horror that's movie, Alfred right? That's some Alfred Hitchcock stuff. I know. But, you know, if you think about the idea of an antisocial personality not having any empathy. Right. And so, hmm, could that have something to do with mere neurons? So this particular study, um, researchers used... 20 so so the numbers aren't very big and that's one of the things i read was that in most of these studies uh, there aren't very big numbers and that's kind of generally if you are a person in academia if you're looking at a study and they don't have a lot of people in their study that's one of the red flags that's like mm, this study mm, may yeah. not be great right so this one had 26 quote healthy people what does that mean what <laughs> Someone who's not they can run a mile. I don't, Someone oh. who's not antisocial, oh, okay. mentally healthy people, sure. and eighteen they call them psychopaths. <laughs> but, this is like in the last episode was, where the book kept saying old people, <laughs> right? The old people, the old anti. I'm going to call them antisocial because that's what I prefer. Antisocial <laughs> people who are diagnosed with sure. antisocial personality. Okay, okay, that is eighteen cumbersome of them. to say. I understand. And this is psychopaths. <laughs> Um, and they had them like watch these short videos that were they were supposed to like show some empathy for the characters in the video. And when they just had them all watch it, the 26 healthy people <laughs> had <laughs> some kind of emotional response. Okay. And the 18 antisocial people did not so, have any. So this is based in the mirror neuron system or is this just sort this of This is a test on the mirror neurons, yes. Interesting. So they had no no response. However, then they did the thing again where they watched a different video, I'm assuming. I don't know. I don't think they'd watch the same one. <laughs> but they but they instructed the antisocial personalities to try to feel what the characters were feeling. Yes. And buzzing, it happened. 
Bazing. Bazing. Bazing it happened. <laughs> they, you heard they, it here, folks. Bazing it happened. Their brains lit up very similarly to the mentally healthy that people. That is fascinating. Because, okay, so, like, I hear a lot that, like, antisocial personality disorder and like personality disorder in general is very hard to treat uh-huh. a lot of treatment for things like antisocial personality disorder just comes from saying like try you gotta do yeah. <laughs> pretend you have to choose you have to choose to, to do, do it. it you have right. to pretend right. like you are empathizing with this person right. pretend and you'll do it right and so like i know a lot of people think that when you have antisocial there's just no coming back from it that's the difference between an antisocial personality disorder who is a serial killer versus one who is a CEO of a company. Right, right. I mean, it's just because kind of, there are some. Exactly. No, yeah. I, that is one of the most divergent things that people who have antisocial personality disorder often become like high-ranking people in a company because they're usually brilliant exactly because they're very smart and they are able to kind of put i would say it's because they're able to put like the needs of people below like the needs of the company Mm -hmm. and they're able to kind of shut that down but that is how we treat basically personality disorders if we're talking in a clinical counselor sense Mm -hmm. if someone comes into my office and they have personality disorder which Usually they're not going to come in on their own. They're going to come in as a, as a part of a couple or a part of a family. And someone else is going to say like, <laughs> they don't have very much empathy. Or they've been referred. And they yes, have to come. exactly. Then we are going to start from a, okay, let's start pretending. Let's start pretending you feel empathy for this person. How would you act? Let's start pretending that you feel what this person is feeling. How, what would you do? Act as if. Act as if. And, and that's usually what we do when we come face to face with someone who I I can say honestly in my in my entire counseling experience I have not come into contact with someone who has a personality disorder like this because they often don't come into counseling right it's very rare that they do but that is how we would do it and so it's fascinating the research is basically supporting that right I think that's so cool I know I, I thought it was really cool the only other part of the, I thought this was interesting. The other part of the that specific study was that they hit him with a, what? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> she, they hit him with that, and the user are laughing. No, what? <laughs> That's because my good Catholic upbringing kicked because <laughs> I swear to God it was that I they shouldn't hit laugh him. at this I shouldn't they, laugh they hit him with a ruler, but I don't think that's right. They well, that's hit him. A nun hit was the researcher here. <laughs> They hit him. Wait, let me see what they hit him with. <laughs> it's not a ruler. Yeah, it, it is a ruler. <laughs> the next part of the study, this is how it reads. The okay. next part of the study, the participants were hit with a ruler. <laughs> and told that they're going to hell unless they repent. To register the pain in their brain. The, the people who are registered as antisocial? All of them. All of them. And the people Some who were, just wanted to hit 40 people with a ruler. But the antisocial personalities registered very little pain. Interesting. Okay. And the, and the mentally healthy people uh, registers significantly like, what the hell are you doing? Ow! Mary but, Catherine, what are you doing? <laughs> but again, when they were instructed, like, I want you to really feel when this pain. When you get hit with yeah. this, say ow. Deal, deal. Act as if yeah. it really hurts. 
So that's kind of cool. Fascinating. Okay, we are going to move on though. We're done. So (laughs) this also comes into play with schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. So in schizophrenia, social emotional information can't be processed as well. That's one of the parts of schizophrenia. And research has said that higher mirror neuron activity can happen during the active phrase phase of schizophrenia phrase i knew what you meant thank you so that's basically the phase with psychotic symptoms right the kind of the typical schizophrenia thing that we all think about in media that is the active phase is when there are more hallucinations and there are more psychotic symptoms So this has to do with something called sensory gating deficiencies. There's lower inability to process things accurately, and this may be a factor in delusions and hallucinations. So basically our brain is unable to say what we're actually experiencing versus what we're imagining we're experiencing. That's sensory gating. Mm -hmm. So this is where the mirror neuron thing, like the mirror neuron system may be firing weirdly, and we're hallucinating, kind of of like the sleep paralysis thing, where we're imagining something happening because our mirror neuron system is firing weirdly where it shouldn't be firing. Is that it makes based? sense, yeah. Okay, should we move on to some of the doubts? <laughs> some of the uh, the naysayers of the mirror neuron community? Because as always, when there is a discovery, <laughs> I don't want to say like, oh, there are some scientists that are just like, no. But there are. And quite frankly, that is an important part of, of the scientific process. The, an important part is people saying, well, what if that's not actually what's happening? So mm-hmm. I do think this is important. I just think it's kind of like a stick in the mud sort of thing, yeah. too. Especially Because I want to believe it. So. I know. Mirror neurons sound cool, and I, <laughs> yeah. I want to believe them. I like them. them. Yeah. Yeah. So there are doubts about even the existence of mirror neurons or at at basic like the role of mirror neurons some people say that mirror neurons are a separate thing than what we think they are and that they might just be a thing that happens in cells that have other functions that those other cells may kind of also do a mirror thing but they're not specifically mirror neurons Mm-hmm. And it also kind of depends on if mirror activity is its own response or if it's just a byproduct of the whole mirror system firing, basically. There are questions like, okay, how do mirror neurons know that an action is goal-directed? Which I have a question about too. So like if I see you pick up a piece of paper, do I think you're going to shake it by the microphone? Or do I think you're going to read from it? Like at what point do our mirror neurons go... Ah, yes. They're not going to do a, a function with that thing they're picking up. They're not They're not picking up that apple to eat it. He's just moving it an inch to the left so I can calm down. Mm-hmm. Like, at what point do our mirror neurons fire? And at what point do they say, I don't need to fire? it's that that is something that just reading it, I was like, mm-hmm. well, how do they how do they know? Well, that's why they're still questioning it. That is true. One scientist suggested that the mirror neuron system does what the theories say, but only after, and this goes back to what you talked about, only after the observed action has already been coded by other brain structures. Right. And that the mirror neuron system doesn't actually help us learn things. It functions after we've already learned things. Mm-hmm. So this is, again, it goes back to that, like, is it a cause or is it an effect of understanding the action that someone else is doing? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Which is a lot of science. No. <laughs> I don't know. Especially about the brain. Yeah. We have a lot of, I don't know. We just have a lot of questions about how the brain functions. doing lots of things to discover. Yeah. When we go back to Ramachandran, I I personally don't think it's like a key to how we evolved. I'm sorry. That's a cool idea. I just don't think it's entirely accurate. 
But he can believe that if he wants to. He can. And you know, it doesn't hurt us if he does believe it. No. So it's fine. Because a lot of studies have, well, a lot of scientists say that mirror neurons, if they exist, allow us to understand actions and intent, but they don't cause us to feel empathy, which a lot of researchers do say. They say that because we have the mirror neurons, those are the only reasons we feel empathy, Mm -hmm. which I think is a bit too far reaching. I think that's kind of giving our... That kind of goes with the evolution thing. Right. That that's why we, you know, that they were developed so that we would live in a society that right. we could bond. That we have pro-social behavior right, and all that right, other stuff. Right, yeah. Which, I don't want to give too much of a spoiler in this, but we are working with the boys in Necessary Bullshit, that podcast, mm-hmm. to work on a uh, kind of pro-social, uh, social mob mentality, the pros and cons of being social. We're working on an episode, kind of a collaborative episode. My Adopted Sons. Your Adopted Sons. My Adopted Brothers. Our brother podcast, Necessary Bullshit. If you're not listening to that, please do. Very smart. They will make you smarter, unlike us. Anna and I will study like crazy (laughs) before that. So (laughs) nervous about working with these guys. We're going to be so shown up. But we're very excited. Uh, we'll be cute. We'll, be, we'll bring the funny. They'll bring the smart. It's fine. It'll all balance out. It'll all balance out. But yeah, I, I don't think it's the cause of us feeling empathy. I think the way I think of it as someone who has read a Wikipedia article on the subject is that they developed as a result of our pro-social behavior and our empathy. And that the mirror neurons developed to like allow us to feel that further. I don't know. But I don't know because no one knows. I don't know. One article I read said, we are quite clearly capable of understanding actions that we are unable to perform, which I think is a critique on the mirror neuron system. So the the example that they gave is you're watching a tennis match mm-hmm. and you're like seeing people do the tennis actions. I don't know what I they're can, called. I can tell that you're really into the Hitting tennis. Hitting the tennis ball, you know, with the tennis racket. And this also shows in studies where they see people who are unable to do facial expressions, like if they've suffered a stroke or -hmm. some sort of paralysis, but they're able to understand facial expressions that they're not able to recreate with their own face. So it goes back to that kind of cause-effect thing. Uh, A researcher named Gregory Hickok at the University of California, Irvine, thinks that the function of mirror neurons is not about understanding others' actions, but about using others' actions in the process of making our own choice on how to act. So like we kind of talked about before, like the monkey that sees another monkey picking up its own poop, you're using that as like, okay, I know what his intent is and I'm going to dodge out of the way. Right. So it's not necessarily about imitating the intent or imitating the function. It's about knowing how to respond to it. what to do about it. Yes. Which, I don't know, I think that is the most kind of pro-social. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right. Like, mm-hmm. if we are able to, like, our brain's functioning and firing in a way that says, they're about to do this thing with that. Like, if someone is pulling their fist back to hit you, your brain's firing like, they're about to hit me. Mm-hmm. I need to do something about this. I need mm-hmm. to either hit them or I need to dodge out of the way. I think that is probably, if we're going personal, the theory that I ascribe to when it comes to mirror neurons. That we're able to see what someone's intending to do so we can respond to it better. Mm-hmm. But again, I am just a clinical clinician with <laughs> a, uh, the access to Wikipedia. And that is my, that is my theory on mirror <laughs> neurons, which neuroscientists study. So who knows? 
Well, let them study it. Let them study it, and I will keep drinking. Do you have stuff to add? I just have a weird one to add. Please do. One weird one. Please add a weird one for the love of God. Okay, this is the weird one. One of those wonderful scientists who studied these things um, with electrodes attached to people. In their um, brains or outside of outside their brains? Outside their brains. They didn't put them in for people. people <laughs> Only for monkeys. They studied. Monkey rights. <laughs> they studied specifically human beings who did not have arms. Ooh, so they had a yes. study with human beings who did Phantom not have arms. Phantom limb thing? And they would, because like what you've been talking about is when we see someone else like reach for a bottle and, and whatever. Well, the people that didn't have arms, the neurons would fire in such a way that they would respond with their legs instead of their arms. What? Isn't that cool? Oh my God. So like, wait, they went to like pick up the bottle with their leg? Yeah. Well, like the neuron would tell it to do that. Yeah. So like that's how, because they knew that they didn't have arms. Mm -hmm. And the other one, which is kind of the phantom limbs that you were talking about, was like if a person in a study where a person did not have an arm, and like when we said before about how like if you were scratching on your arm and I I would kind of relate to that and my neuron would be saying I'm scratching my arm even though I didn't have an arm and I would watch you scratch your arm my neurons would be firing that I would be touching my arm even though it's a phantom that I didn't have an arm there. So how does that work with the ones that kind of do the feedback loop on okay that's not you? It has something to do with when they so back to the phantom thing once the arm is not there like if it was removed in an accident or Mm -hmm. whatever the feedback thing is no longer effective, at least in this study that I was reading. Right. And so they would watch you kind of rubbing your arm and they would almost feel that, like more than than a, a, a person with an arm would feel it. So oh. without with the arm missing, it would be even more physical. It's intense. Mm-hmm. Oh, because they don't man. have that feedback loop that a person with an arm has. That's horrible. So they've been, I mean, I guess the reason I throw those kind of uh, unique things in is that they are constantly doing studies. Oh, yeah. To try to figure this stuff out. Yeah, I, I can't count the amount of studies that I oh actually gosh. looked yeah. at. Yeah, they're, it's amazing. And they're all, I mean, the hard thing is they're all contradictory. Yeah. They're all kind of yeah. saying different stuff. So it's very hard to know. I mean, that's why, like Mom said, there's constantly study going on because we don't know yet. Right. I mean, I, I told I told you, Anna, right before we started recording that that one of the last videos that I watched on YouTube or something, I don't even really know where it was because I was kind of all over the it's place, a video. was a scientist saying neurons don't even exist. And sure. he was very passionate adamant, about it. Yeah, that this is completely baloney, you know. So, but I don't know about you, Anna. I, I think... I think I, they're cool and I want them to exist. I think there's so much about our brains that we don't even oh, yeah. begin to understand. Yeah, we can't. And so I choose to believe this one, that we I have these really cool well. things. I do as well. And we thank Bruce again for yeah. Thanks, Bruce. suggesting this. This was this quite a challenge. Forcing us to learn this <laughs> <laughs> because I feel more educated and that's important. I just today talked to a a client and I kind of talked about like pro-social behaviors and I kind of talked a little, I didn't talk about mirror neurons, but that's kind of, you know, if I'm believing that mirror neurons exist, (laughs) that is what I was talking about. Well, and if we believe that mirror neurons have to do with empathy, that is such an important part of being a human being in the world, you know, and being able to empathize. empathize and we try to teach our children and as counselors when we work with children that's one of the things we work with them on yeah seriously and not only children well because there are studies that say that 
empathy is not just something that is inborn. It's something that if we practice, we can get right. better at. So if we do bring up our kids learning that, and if we work right. as counselors with our younger clients and even our older clients, I mean, exactly. there's no kind of limit on when we can learn empathetic behavior. Again, that's the acting as if. Yeah. If we act like we are being empathetic with someone, then we are more likely to experience empathy with them. Exactly. Then that's kind of one of our jobs as counselors is just to teach people how to be empathetic. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it too. <laughs> <laughs> empathy two thumbs empathy, up five out of five <laughs> stars would you like to thank the people for listening i would because if it weren't for you sipsters <laughs> we would be feeling really silly no. sitting here just talking we, to each we other we hope your mirror neurons are firing when we're <laughs> smiling and laughing and that you makes you smile and laugh that's true we hope that our laughter is contagious yes. in your mirror neurons exactly even if what we're saying is not funny <laughs> We hope that our laughter makes you laugh. That's exactly right. And we hope that you'll join us next time. Exactly. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all with the name Freudian Sips Pod, as well as our site, FreudianSipsPod.com. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can email us at FreudianSipsPod at gmail.com. And we are also on Patreon at the same name, Freudian Sips Pod. Please remember, wherever you're listening, if you can, to leave us a nice rating and review, especially iTunes. If you want to pop over to there, leave us a nice five star and a nice hello, hi, I love you, or whatever you want to say. <laughs> Our theme music is Sweet of Vermouth by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this. Mm-hmm.